This is the Spring Research Project podcast where we talk about community sponsorship of refugees. My name is Eliza Bateman and I am Head of Research at the University of Ottawa Refugee Hub. And I'm Tiomir Sabchev, Postdoctoral Fellow at the Refugee Hub. Welcome back to the Spring Research Project podcast. In our previous episodes, we discussed different aspects of the Canadian Private Sponsorship of Refugees program. But as some of you may know, in Quebec, one of the Canadian provinces, the private sponsorship program looks somehow differently. In 1997, the government of Quebec assumed responsibility for the implementation of the program on the territory of the province. As a result, In the subsequent years, a distinct approach to refugee sponsorship emerged with some important differences between the program implementation in Quebec and the rest of Canada. For example, in Quebec, the program is called collective sponsorship rather than private sponsorship, and refugee sponsors are called guarantors. To discuss the particularities of refugee sponsorship in Quebec, I'm joined by Ian Van Haren, who is the director of Action Refugees Montreal a non-governmental organization that supports asylum seekers and refugees. Ian, it's a great pleasure to have you on our podcast. Thanks a lot. We've known each other for a while, and when it comes to refugee sponsorship, I know that you've been wearing multiple hats. Can you start by sharing with our listeners a bit more about yourself and your experience? Sure. Thank you so much, Tio, and I really appreciate the invitation. Well, I'm living in Quebec today, and as you mentioned, working for an organization that's involved in refugee sponsorship here. I grew up in central Alberta, in western Canada, and actually the church that a number of my family members went to had been for a long time engaged in refugee sponsorship. So I even knew growing up in a fairly rural and white community that there was this program where people could help refugees come to Canada and start a new life in new communities. And I remember in high school, I was working at a vegetable greenhouse and there was this church that a number of my family members were involved in, had recently sponsored some refugees, I think from the Congo who had been living in Kenya, who came and then all of a sudden one day, one of my colleagues at the greenhouse was one of these recently arrived individuals who came through refugee sponsorship. So. I was aware of the program from a young age and then went to university, actually got a job with the federal government working for, at the time, Citizenship and Immigration Canada in the Foreign Service and did some international postings, first in London, England, and then in Beirut, Lebanon, where after one year working more on family reunification, I started to work at the Canadian Embassy in Beirut on refugee sponsorship and refugee resettlement. So also with the Government Assisted Refugee Program and the BVOR program. And I I did that for a year at the Canadian Embassy in Beirut. And then a couple years later, worked at the Canadian Embassy or the Canadian High Commission in Pretoria in South Africa, where I also was responsible for managing Canada's immigration programs, including managing the refugee resettlement program for 11 countries in Southern Africa. So I I worked in the program on the government side. I also have been involved in local refugee sponsorship groups, both in Toronto, where I lived for a while when I did my master's degree, and through WUSC in Quebec, I've also been involved in refugee sponsorship. 
One memory that I have when I was working for the Canadian government was going to a refugee camp in Zimbabwe to do interviews for individuals who were proposed for resettlement to Canada. And as I was leaving the camp, talking with a few people who had helped us out during that week, translators and other individuals who helped with the process. And one of them said, make sure you come back for more of us, you know, a clear plea to say, and, and this was a camp, I think, of about 15,000 refugees, about five hours from Harare in rural Zimbabwe. And, you know, these refugees were kind of put in a forgotten place by the government of Zimbabwe. And for me, it has just been a reminder in my head from when he said that to me, like, what are we doing to provide solutions for individuals who who deserve them? And so his call, make sure you come back, has kind of stuck with me. And as I started to think about leaving the government to go and complete a PhD, I was thinking, what is needed to increase or expand the welcome in Canada towards refugees? And it does require a broad movement by civil society to continue to push for more inclusive policies or more welcoming policies to push the government to increase the number of individuals in refugee situations who are offered opportunities to come to Canada. And so that shaped kind of what I was hoping to study academically. I started a PhD at McGill focused on refugee sponsorship where my research was really trying to understand how local groups both in Quebec and elsewhere, made decisions about who they were going to assist in refugee sponsorship initiatives. And I've been working on that PhD for a little over five years, but about six months ago, I saw that there was a job opportunity at Action Refugié Montréal, which is an organization that has done refugee sponsorship as well as some other activities for a long time. And I've really respected the organization so I applied for the job, and now um, as the executive director there, we have a team of two individuals who work on the refugee sponsorship program that I support, as well as a few other areas as well. So I've had opportunities to work in a few different sectors related to the sponsorship, had a few different personal experiences with it, and excited for the opportunity to chat about it today. Well, congratulations on your new position then, first of all, and the breadth of your experience in, is really, really amazing. So it's a great opportunity that we have you today to discuss refugee sponsorship in Quebec with us. So in our podcast, we've been focusing specifically on the Canadian Private Sponsorship of Refugees program. But some of our listeners, especially those outside of Canada, might not be aware that in Quebec, the program is implemented differently. Can you tell us why this is the case and perhaps describe to us the collective sponsorship, as you call it there? Sure. Um, Quebec is the only francophone majority province in Canada and kind of observers from even outside of the country may be familiar with kind of the, the unique political dynamics that happen when one province is French majority and the other nine are more English majority. One of those other nine, of course, is a bilingual province, New Brunswick, but Quebec has a very kind of unique role within Canada. So in 1991, the provincial government in Quebec negotiated a special agreement with the federal government about having more control and autonomy over its immigration programs broadly, with a particular focus on economic migration and Quebec taking control over that. And then, as you said off the top, um, in 1997, Quebec took on more control of the collective sponsorship of refugees program as well. So 
from that time, you know, there are a lot of similarities in refugee sponsorship in Quebec and the rest of Canada. In both places, there's a naming principle where groups can identify who they're going to support. In both cases, groups have to kind of guarantee 12 months of support after the refugees arrive in Canada. But as we would expect with kind of programs that have evolved in different ways in two different jurisdictions, there's some unique aspects in Quebec where, for example, there's no sponsorship agreement holders in Quebec, but there's organizations with similar status called experienced organizations. There's a lot more churches or parishes that are involved or other community organizations involved in sponsorship that do not work through um, these experienced organizations, but submit applications directly to the provincial government. And then there's also an equivalent of the Group of Five program in Quebec, but here it's called the Group de Deux à Cinq. So if you know French, Deux à Cinq means two to five, which basically means that there's between two and five individuals who are involved in supporting the applications. On some of these differences, it, it just requires, you know, when thinking through the logistics of how to submit an application to the government, for example, the process is different in Quebec, but somewhat similar to other parts of Canada. So the way that you demonstrate that you have sufficient funds in order to support the individuals that you're sponsoring through the refugee sponsorship program look different in Quebec, but broadly the questions that the government is asking, those questions are similar. The, the ability to have, you know, between two and five members in a group rather than requiring five just provides a bit more flexibility. But towards the provincial government, these groups still have to show the ability to support for 12 months. So it requires showing financial documents. And often then you end up with probably five members in the group because it's easier to show the financial capacity if you have more people involved in the group as well. So those are some kind of high level differences. I think we'll maybe want to talk in more detail about how the provincial government has controlled the program at certain times or put limits on the number of applications that have been submitted. Those, of course, you know, the intake of new applications is controlled completely by the provincial government, as is kind of the follow-up once people arrive, kind of what that looks like is also controlled provincially. You actually alluded to something that I wanted to ask you about. I've seen that over the last years, the number of sponsorship applications under the private sponsorship of refugees program in Canada has been growing. And if I remember correctly, in December last year, the federal government increased the number of applications that can be submitted to sponsorship agreement holders for refugee sponsorships. But when it comes to Quebec, there have been some limitations on the number of sponsorship applications recently. Can you tell us more about this important difference between the federal program and the one in Quebec? Sure. So in Quebec, uh, and it helps to kind of go back in time, maybe over 10 years or so to see the trend of what's happened in Quebec. But in Quebec, up until about 2014 to 2015, the interest in refugee sponsorship was not very strong. And so there was a continuing program where people could submit applications, sponsorship applications to the provincial government without many controls. And so actually, our organization, Action Refugee Montreal, could submit 20, you know, 5, 10, 20 applications a year. If people approached us, we put an application together and sent it on to the provincial government. But 
In 2015, when Canadians started to really be taken by the issues happening in Syria and the need to support refugees who were leaving Syria, there was also a very large mobilization in Quebec. Historically, there's a fairly large Syrian community in the greater region of Montreal, particularly in Laval. And so there was a strong mobilization in Quebec to submit applications for Syrian refugees. And so there was a huge increase in the number of refugees sponsored in Quebec. And our organization, for example, started to submit 70 applications a year for not just Syrians. We've also supported Afghans for a very long time and refugees from other communities as well. But the numbers increased quite a bit. And at the same time, there were some concerns, I think, in the province and elsewhere in Canada about how well this process was being managed and the experiences of newcomers once they arrived in Canada. So in January of 2017, the Liberal government in Quebec at the time announced that they were closing the program to new applications. They felt there was already enough applications in process that they could not continue to receive additional applications from interested sponsors. They needed to manage the number of individuals who were waiting for refugee sponsorship, and the easiest way to do that was just to stop the submission of new applications. And, you know, in the rest of Canada, we've never really seen a complete ban on new applications like that. There has been a few times where there were caps imposed on not applying for refugees living in certain regions or, or, or these types of um, limitations. But Quebec, January 2017, starting on the 27th or 28th of January, no new applications could be submitted. And it was unclear what was going to happen after that point. There was a change in government in Quebec um, towards the Coalition Avenir Quebec, which is, I guess, translated as the Coalition for Quebec's Future, a, a center-right government. And they kept the pause in place until 2018. And since that time, it's been at sporadic moments where the Provincial Ministry of Immigration will open the program briefly with explicit numbers on the number of new applications that can be submitted to say, for example, okay, we will take 650 applications from all organizations, both those with lots of experience and just local groups or congregations, community groups, we'll take 650 applications total, and that's it. So there would be this race to submit applications. They would also, in 2018, take 100 applications in the group of two to five program. In 2018, Briefly, you know, there was an opportunity for 750 new applications to be submitted also in 2020. And those two times, what they did is they asked people to line up outside of the physical office of the immigration department in downtown Montreal. And it was just if you're first in line, you can submit your applications. And once we get to the number, then the program is closed. This was really criticized by advocates for refugee sponsorship. And also in Quebec, you know, to have a lineup in downtown Montreal, when we're geographically a very large province, it did not seem like a fair system. So they went from, I would say, one bad system to another bad system. And then during the COVID-19 pandemic, after having the lineup system in 2018 and January 2020, 
they um, started what in French is called the tirage au sort, or it's a, it's a draw, it's a lottery system, where there's a five-week period to submit applications, but the government implements caps on the number of applications it will take in each subcategory. So a certain number in the group of two to five program, a certain number from organizations that do not have extensive experience, and a certain number from organizations with extensive experience. And if there are more applications than there are spots available, then they do a random draw to select which applications are submitted. Again, keeping it under a cap of either 750 or 825 applications each year. And they've also introduced within this complex system another level of complexity where if it's for groups that are outside of the greater Montreal region, there's a certain cap. And then if it's groups within the Montreal region, another limit. And often there's less interest in refugee sponsorship outside of the Montreal region where not even enough applications are submitted for those kind of streams of applications. So we don't even get to the total of 825 because there's not enough applications submitted for groups outside of the Montreal region. But that's broadly what the provincial government has done is moved from a we'll take any application that is submitted before 2017 to requiring people to line up in 2018 and 2020 and now a lottery system and we're actually at the current moment in 2023 also in this five-week submission period it ends in the middle of june where we can submit applications once again. And so our organization has the right to submit up to 20 applications. But if there are so many experienced organizations that submit a full 20, then we might only have some of ours randomly selected. So last year when we went through this process, we submitted 20 applications, but the provincial government only selected 17. And then we had to go back to the families. We had warned them in advance and say, we were, you know, hopeful when we submitted your application, but for three of the 20 families we submitted applications for, unfortunately, the provincial government decided by random chance that it does not want to proceed with your application. If you compare this to the rest of Canada, where the sponsorship agreement holders have agreements with the federal government on the number of applications they can submit, they're told, here's your number, and then they can just submit that, and they're not subject to any type of lottery system. And personally, I would really prefer a system that just guaranteed the spots that I have available rather than having to tell everyone that it's um, by chance and we're not sure yet what will happen once we submit the application to the government. And there's, there's a few other, one in particular challenge that we get with this lottery system as well that relates to family separation. You know, this system kind of reminds me of uh, the system that some sponsorship agreement holders in the rest of Canada I've seen implementing, namely because they have a limited number of spots that they can allocate to sponsors. They need to decide, basically, because of the high demand, who gets these spots. And then they implement some kind of lottery as well. So, again, there is a lottery system, but which is shifted because of other kind of limitation and implemented by the sponsorship agreement holders rather than the government itself. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And it, and it does, it, it puts groups in difficult situations because when we're limited on the number of applications that we can submit, we have to kind of go through them and, and make some, some difficult decisions. What happens with us for family separation is that 
all of this is managed by numbers of applications. And according to how the provincial and federal government work, if you have an adult who's over the age of 22, they're on a separate application. So say, for example, you have two parents who are in their 50s or 60s that have four children, but two of those children are over 22 and two are under 22. That ends up meaning that there's three separate applications, one for the two parents and the two children under the age of 22, and then a separate application for the two children who maybe have 23 and 25 years of age. So perhaps they're living in a, you know, a refugee settlement in Pakistan, maybe they're from Afghanistan, and we have to hope that all three will be randomly selected when we submit the, the files to the government. And, you know, in some cultures, to leave a young woman behind, for example, would not be appropriate whatsoever. But we end up in situations, and we have had examples of it in Quebec, where this random selection process separates family members, leaving one of them behind. And, and then the sponsors may decide, well, if we cannot take the 23-year-old woman who's part of the family, we can't take anyone else. And really, this is a challenge that we're hoping that we can avoid with the government changing its policies at some point. Yeah, this is a very, very important point because we know how big part of the private sponsorship of refugees program family dynamics play and how family reunification is also one of the goals of the Canadian government in its approach to refugee resettlement. Speaking of organizations that support refugee sponsorship, I wanted to ask you, in the rest of Canada, we've seen through our research some differences between the so-called groups of five individuals that come together to sponsor a refugee on the one hand, and sponsorship agreement holders, organizations that have long experience often and also some institutional memory about approaches to refugee sponsorship and settlement. We see somehow differences in the way these two categories of sponsors operate and the way they facilitate settlement upon arrival. So do you see a similar development in Quebec as well between your groups of two to five on the one hand and experienced, as you call them, organizations on the other? Yeah, I think, you know, helping someone adjust to life in a new country is, is always challenging. And whether it's submitting paperwork to get the Canada Child Tax Benefit or figuring out how to open a bank account, these are challenging processes. And for Canadians or Quebecers who are, you know, not used to navigating these processes, it can be very challenging when you're asked to accompany someone through that type of a process. What I think we observe is that organizations who do larger numbers of sponsorship, like our own, have learned how to successfully navigate these processes quite efficiently and how to identify resources that can provide support to newcomers, kind of the, the correct way to help people kind of get on their feet as quickly as possible once they arrive in a new context. But when, in the group of two to five program, it's a little bit of a mystery or unknown how easily or quickly um, the sponsors are able to kind of connect the sponsored refugees to the types of resources that they need. So when I was writing kind of this chapter for a book about refugee sponsorship in Quebec with my two co-authors, uh, Clotilde Perron-Chartier and Neil Santa Maria, 
Neil, who at the time was working for the Tessiari, which is an umbrella organization for groups in Quebec that are involved in supporting migrants and refugees, um, Neil pointed out a few times that he was always uncertain how much sponsors in the Group of Two to Five program were able to access the resources that they need. And elsewhere in Canada, there's been fairly significant improvements to requiring training for sponsors of all types through the Refugee Sponsorship Training Program. And the Refugee Sponsorship Training Program has received significant support from the federal government to provide this type of training to help individuals navigate the process. In Quebec, the position that Neil was previously in at the TCRI is also funded by the provincial government in an effort to help sponsors navigate the process. But at that time and up till present, there's just this one position that's funded to support the whole initiative in the whole province, which is kind of on a per capita basis, if you compare it to the rest of Canada, much less than what's funded in the rest of the country to provide resources and information towards sponsors through the RSTP. So I think that there's a bit of a concern that as far as training for sponsors in the Group of Two to Five program, there's not quite as much that is available in Quebec. And it would be beneficial to kind of reinforce this because there is an understanding in Quebec, as you mentioned previously, that it's not just private sponsorship, but that it is a collective effort that requires an, a partnership between the provincial government and sponsor groups. But in order for that partnership to work, there needs to be adequate resources and information that are provided to sponsors once they arrive. That's a very good point. And I think in comparison to the refugee sponsorship training program, they have a team of more than 20 people, if I'm correct, at the moment working on different aspects of the program and also working in different provinces across Canada. Yeah, I think it's, it's a huge team. And so in my, at my current organization, you know, our name, Action Refugié Montréal, it attracts people's um, attention because they know that we deal with refugee issues and sponsorship. So we get quite a few questions and we do our best to provide support as well. And at the same time, we refer them to the individual working at the TCRI on refugee sponsorship and feel bad because she's getting bombarded with requests. And sometimes I'm a little bit envious of the, the large number of individuals working for the refugee sponsorship training program and wishing that we had the similar type of support or the number of people who could respond um, and provide assistance in this province. At the end of our conversation, Ian, I want to ask you, would you have any specific recommendations on the collective sponsorship program in Quebec based on everything we've discussed so far and also on the private sponsorship of refugees program in Canada in general? And perhaps would you also have any recommendations for practitioners and policymakers abroad who may consider setting up a similar refugee sponsorship program in their country? Sure. So I think the first recommendation that I would make in Quebec is that a lottery system is a poor solution to managing increased demand to the program, particularly requiring organizations that already are limited in the number of applications that they submit to go through a second lottery system. You know, you were talking in the rest of Canada about how groups have to make decisions about which files that they will submit to the government because they're limited in the number of spaces that they have. 
we have to go through that same calculation. So I would prefer that the government did then not have a subsequent lottery on us, which can cause family separation, as I mentioned before. I think as well, a challenge in Quebec has been slow processing times at the provincial level. So in 2021, there were a number of groups. And in 2021, it was primarily in the group of two to five program where sponsorships were submitted, where applications were submitted to the provincial government for refugee sponsorship that are still pending and haven't even been forwarded to the federal government. So because there's two jurisdictions that are involved in refugee sponsorship, the process gets more complex. In Quebec, the sponsors apply for approval to the provincial government, and then the file is forwarded to the federal government where it's processed at embassies overseas, the job that I used to do. Um, And in this way, you know, it kind of shows the role of both the provincial and federal government in the process. But there has been significant delays at the provincial level in approving the initial sponsorship applications. So recently, there was a story published in Le Devoir, which is one of the main newspapers in Quebec, about a woman named Shala Secondari, who has worked with some sponsors, and I've met Shala a few months ago, and also the sponsorship group that's working with her, to support her three siblings who live in Pakistan, who left Afghanistan, and are um, they have a pending sponsorship application to come to Canada. And in, in their situation, they submitted the application in 2022. So it's been a year that the file has just been sitting on a shelf at the Provincial Immigration Ministry, waiting to be forwarded to the federal government for processing. And in the rest of Canada, there is a program that accelerates the processing of um, refugee sponsorship applications for individuals originally from Afghanistan. And once this application is forwarded to the federal government, it will also be part of that accelerated processing initiative. But at the provincial level, there was nothing done to speed up the process for this individual, um, for these sponsorship applications, because, you know, the government has just been kind of slowly managing when they forward the applications to the federal government. I think part of the reason that they are taking longer to process the applications in Quebec is because... During the COVID-19 pandemic, there were fewer sponsored refugees who arrived in Quebec. And so, you know, there's both controlling the number of new applications that are received each year and then the number of visas that are issued each year. So if you're not issuing any visas, but still taking in 750 applications a year, then you just create a backlog of applications that are pending and the processing times will increase. So personally, because there were so few sponsored refugees who arrived in Quebec or elsewhere in Canada in 2020 and 2021, the first two years of the pandemic, I think that both the provincial and the federal government need to put in a concerted effort to kind of make up for the individuals who didn't arrive at that time to decrease the amount of time that people have to wait to be reunited with their family. Because once an application has been submitted, there's no reason to take multiple years to process it. And it's in everyone's best interest to allow the sponsored refugees to arrive in their new country as soon as possible, rather than requiring them to continue to wait in dangerous and perhaps unsafe situations. This, of course, you know, in the Quebec context, when 
François Legault, the leader of the Coalition Avenir Quebec, was elected. He was elected on a platform of decreasing immigration numbers. So it's challenging then to advocate to increase the number of refugees who are going to come to this province. But I believe that if we want to provide you know, a humanitarian and compassionate response to individuals seeking protection, we want to make sure that the applications are processed in an expedient manner rather than making people wait for extended periods of time. And we have the capacity once individuals arrive in Quebec to help them succeed at adjusting to life here. So I think that these recommendations speak to what is required in other contexts as well. If you want civil society to be involved in supporting refugees, it has to be predictable how the system works. So let's avoid lottery systems or random chance. You need to have a reliable partnership between civil society and the government where there's clear communication on expectations and reasonable waiting times or processing times for applications, not unexplained lengthy processes that leave the individuals who are supporting these types of programs in the dark, uncertain of how it's working. But through clear collaboration, there's a clear possibility to increase the number of spaces that are offered to individuals seeking protection, and then hopefully quickly provide opportunities to individuals like Shala's siblings in living, I think, in Islamabad, waiting to come to Canada, to the Montreal area, to help that happen quickly, rather than requiring people to wait for extended periods of time. Ian, thank you so much for this conversation. For our listeners, I'm going to add the book chapter that you recently co-authored for those who want to know more about collective sponsorship in Quebec. And we wish you a lot of success in your research and in your important work in Montreal. Thank you so much, Tio. It's always a pleasure to chat with you.